So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Find out if they've been breached. And they're saying, enter your surname and the last, I think, six digits of your social security number. Do you want to get that, Carol? It's not mine. Oh. <laughs> it's not mine either. It's not mine, is it? <gasps> it is. <laughs> It is mine. (laughs) Who the hell's ringing me? Today's episode of Smashing Security is brought to you in part by Rapid7. Identifying, prioritising and managing vulnerabilities all the way through to remediation is not only possible, it can be simple right now. Build a vulnerability management program that works for you with Insight VM by Rapid7. Get started with your free 30-day trial right now. Go to www.rapid7.com and thanks to Rapid7 for supporting the show. Smashing Security, Episode 42, Equifax, Blueborn and the iPhone 10 with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security number 42. My name is Graham Cluley, and I'm joined as ever by my good chum and co-host, Creole Terrio. Hello, Creole, how are you? I am splendid today. Lovely jubbly, and we are also joined by a returning special guest. Ah. Uh. He made a great impression on us last time with his snooker skills. It is <laughs> Mr. Javad Malik. Hello, Javad. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. It's our pleasure to have you back. Now, for those people who don't know you, Javad, and what you do at Alien Vault, why don't you um, just describe yourself? Oh, that's, that's always tough, isn't it? Describe yourself. <laughs> Very handsome. Five short, four. short, fat, balding, hairy, <laughs> podgy. No, 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 Javad. It's like six foot four, <laughs> strapping. It definitely oh, isn't, Crow. It definitely I isn't. I forgot. Is, is this going on Tinder? I forgot. <laughs> But you, you are you are a security institution, basically, aren't you? You are the video blogger par excellence. You are the founding member of Host Unknown, and uh, you're regularly espousing wisdom on behalf of Alien Vault as well. All things uh, computer security, right? Uh, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Mister Amazing. Okay. So, what we like to do every week, as you know, is we look back over the last week's news from the security point of view and pick out some of the topics which caught our attention. And, well, this one was pretty much a given, wasn't it? I think the (laughs) security story of the last week is the enormous, monumental screw-up, which is the Equifax data breach. Now, 
If you're not familiar with Equifax, they are a consumer credit reporting giant. They're the kind of company who can stop you from getting a loan or being accepted for a mortgage uh, if you've been careless or unlucky with your finances. And it's not so much that you are engaging Equifax. You may be going to your mobile telephone company or your mortgage company and trying to open an account or, or get a loan. And they will consult a firm like Equifax and they will say, oh, what's this person's credit rating like? People do do it themselves as well, don't they? They kind of want to keep an eye on their credit score. It became this kind of thing to do about 15 years ago. I, like, I, yeah, I'm, some people do, of course. And particularly if they're trying to improve uh, their credit rating or find out if they have a particular problem, then yes, they, they might well be doing it themselves as well. But I think m- many people won't even realise that Equifax have been storing their details. And that's a problem. Yeah. Because now they have suffered this enormous data breach. And 143 million U.S. consumers. That's like half the states. Yeah, it's 44% of the U.S. population, (gasps) apparently, have had their personal details, dates of birth, social security numbers, names, addresses, sometimes credit card information as well. Unbelievable. Grabbed by hackers. Can you remember a bigger breach? Well, there have been bigger breaches. Maybe the biggest breach of all was the one which happened at Yahoo, um, uh, something like a billion records. But this one... have social security numbers, though. Well, no, exactly. It'd be crazy to give something like that to Yahoo, wouldn't you? But this is is particularly bad because, like I said, you didn't give your information to this company. And Equifax, one of the, the businesses which they're in, is in providing identity theft protection they are they are the irony is not lost yeah they are one of those companies which when a data breach happens other companies will say oh don't worry because we've signed you up with Equifax who are going to protect you and you say oh goody goody gumdrops I'm glad to know they've got my information see if it's been misused well bad news now they've lost it 143 million in the US an unknown number in Canada up to I think it's uh, 44 million UK consumers as well. Geez, so it's like a, it's just a huge shitstorm, it, as it's technically called. And, yeah. and, and I think, like as you alluded to, the difference between Yahoo and Equifax is that you can't simply just say, "Well, that's it. I'm going to close down my email account and right. move over to somebody else." Right. Right. And and furthermore, what's being taken here isn't something like passwords. It's not a case of just changing your password. It's your date of birth. It's your, your name. Social security number. Good luck changing any of those. Mm. That's going to be a bit of a pain, isn't it? And meanwhile, the hackers potentially are taking that information and they're taking out loans in your name or they're opening up accounts in your name and your credit rating is damaged. So fairly disastrous. It's a nightmare. Now, Equifax found out about this problem in late July and they shut then- the front door. <laughs> well, they didn't shut the back door. If, uh, that's quite quite smooth of me, really, wasn't it? Uh, it appears there was a flaw in software running on their web server, which was okay. exploited. It then took them 40 days before going public and said, uh, we've got a problem here. So Equifax is asking people to sign up, to go to its website, to find out if they are amongst those who are being breached. Right, right. To enter their surnames and the last six digits of their social security number. And then they say, we will tell you if you've lost your identity or not. Now, there's a few problems with this. One of the problems is, as ZDNet discovered, you could enter any old rubbish onto that form. You could give your surname as test and your social security number as 123456. (laughs) And the system would say, oh, yeah, it looks like you may have been impacted. (gasps) 
And sometimes you would put in the same thing on multiple attempts. And sometimes it's say, yes, you may have been impacted. No, other times it's say, no, you haven't been impacted. So that's pretty rubbish, isn't it? So it's like a loose algorithm that's trying to pretend There's to... a magic eight ball in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But it's, it's just rubbish, isn't it? Now, imagine if you're British, right? So 44 million UK consumers affected, which... That's uh, huge. That's like two thirds. Yeah, because the UK's only got a population of about 65 million. So frankly... All of us are screwed on this podcast. We know yeah. our details have probably been included in this. If you go to the website, you've got a problem because us Brits don't have social security numbers. Right. So how are we meant to find out? So I went to equifax.co.uk and I thought, oh, well, they'll have British specific information there, won't they? <laughs> if you go to equifax.co.uk, there yeah. is no mention of the breach whatsoever on the front page. You're kidding me. But there's a very comforting picture of an attractive young woman drinking coffee in a field. And they're saying that if you want to know about identity theft, they can sell you a solution to help you do that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what? They've had 40 days. Oh, and the response has been geez. so ramshackle. It's been diabolical. And my, my fundamental problem with this, I think one of the things that really annoys me about this, is they are putting the onus on consumers to hear about this breach and to visit their website and to inf enter their information to find out if they've been breached. Why aren't they contacting people and saying, we believe we've lost your information? Shouldn't they be informing us if they've lost our details rather than us? Okay, but how would out? they? Okay, but think about that. So they would call you up and go, hello, is this Mr. Cluley? And you would say yes and go, is your security number this? Say if you had a social security number. So how, how do they identify you without revealing well, their information? I guess they've, they've got our names, addresses. They've got I know our they have to birth. give you your information, they but what if it's not actually you? And how do you verify that they're actually legit before you hand over any information? Oh, so you're just apologizing for Equifax. No, I'm you? not. I'm just, just saying <laughs> it's, I'm just saying this is a real mess. Hey, I'm not saying. Yeah, you're right. I'm not saying that this is easy, right? I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do, but I think the solution they've come up to is a completely shambolic and seems to be very badly done and in the united states it appears it's awful um, there are reports now that data may have leaked in other countries as well and there may be other problems uh, brian krebs has written today um, about an argentinian mm. equifax portal where people can log in apparently with username admin password admin and get hold of lots of information including details of argentinian consumers so it's just dreadful security appears to be in place. No surprise then that the lawyers are queuing up to sue Equifax. They are the ones who are actually going to get you know, rich from all this. Do you know what I don't understand? How can anyone who has that much data keep it all in one place like that? Like, you know, like you just think you divide it up. Well, it, it might be, but of course there will be some sort of interface which Equifax staff and Equifax's systems use to mm -hmm. query their database. And that's what the criminals would have done. They would have queried the database. And unfortunately, there clearly wasn't some kind of limit as to how much information people uh, Yeah, I'd like take. to download 143 million accounts. Thanks. Well, we don't know. I mean, they might yeah. have had access for a long time. Maybe they did do it in sections. Simply don't know. It but would take a while. That's a lot boy, oh, of boy. data. But here's a funny thing. Someone has actually set up, I said lawyers are getting interested. Someone has set up an online chatbot, which used to uh, uh, take action over parking tickets and things. It's been customized now. Um, so you can go online without involving any lawyers, and it will lead you through the process of suing Equifax for up to $25,000. No lawyers need to be engaged at all. So technology has been put to good use. But 
I really dislike the idea that Equifax's solution to this data breach is to try and get people onto their own identity theft protection program. It's like, why would I trust you with yeah, my so, details so now? What, so, so what are next steps for people that feel they may have been impacted? Well, certainly you can try and use the Equifax uh, user interface. Uh, you can try and contact Equifax UK or if you're elsewhere in the world to find out how on earth you're supposed to query them without a social security number and ask what they're planning to do about it. Um, you may want to sign up for identity theft protection. Why not ask protection. them publicly on Twitter? Why don't we yeah. all say, hey, Equifax, what are we supposed to do? I'm sure that's a pretty busy Twitter account right now, but why not? doesn't do any harm, does it? And um, I think, obviously, you can sign up for other identity theft protection services. The other <laughs> thing you can do is you can freeze your credit rating what's it. Um, David Bisson on uh, my website has written an article all about the different things you can do, which simply prevents other accounts being created and access into your credit rating, which can prevent scammers from exploiting your identity in that particular way, which could be a good response as well. But I think most companies need to learn the lessons from Equifax because, boy, oh boy, their share price has suffered. And to my mind, quite rightly too. Doesn't this feel a bit like Groundhog Day, though? We, 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 yes. we have a massive breach. There's outrage. We, we say things <laughs> must change. Uh, share price dips maybe for a day or two, and then six months, a year later, it's like ancient history. Yeah. Which is why we really need, I think, some of these companies to get a bigger slap across the bottom, don't we, um, when these breaches happen? They, <laughs> they need to they need to feel it where it hurts. Maybe they don't want to hear it over the bottom. Maybe they need a <laughs> swift kick somewhere else. But something needs to happen for other companies to get a very clear message that this isn't acceptable. Um, you know, we've got things like GDPR coming along. We'll have yes, to see what kind of say, I was just going to say financial mean- penalties will come out of that. But uh, we can't carry on like this, can we? You're right. It's Groundhog Day. It is with the Equifax breach. It's very difficult for anyone to tie in actual loss directly to this hack or, 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 yeah. or breach, whatever you want to call it. So if if someone takes out a mortgage in my name six months down the road, you know, h- how do I actually prove that they actually got my details as part of this breach? And therefore, Equifax will be held liable for it. I can't really pr- prove that. So, so the actual damage is, is like, you know, the provable damage is, is very difficult to, to show. So it becomes very difficult for, for any real impact to happen. And like you say, unless regulators actually step in and really hit them where it hurts, which is in the wallet, um, I, I doubt much will change. Yeah. Aka shitstorm. I personally don't keep my wallet there. I tend to keep it to either side. But uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) something like that needs to happen. But but you're you're right. I mean, like you said, six months down the line, this information could be abused in a year, two years, 10 years. Yeah, because none of these numbers change. Your date of birth does not change. Your social security number does not change. That's right. And so just getting a free year's worth of identity theft protection. No, thank you very much. But doesn't really fix the problem, does it? It's not very good. So, Javad, what have you got for us this week? Well, I'm going to try to cheer everyone up now. Give us a cheery story, something we can feel really positive about, please. Have you heard of this uh, connection technology called Bluetooth? Bluetooth. (laughs) Have you heard of that? You're not talking about... uh, There was green fang, wasn't there? (laughs) There was yellow tonsil. And now we've got Bluetooth. Okay, tell me about it. So it's apparently it's really popular, probably amongst the millennials or something. They use it for their wireless headphones, their wireless keyboards, and all other. They're sort of like the reversion to wireless. Yeah, they're yep. exactly, exactly. 
Um, and as I suppose for good reason, as we found prior to calling, how long it took me to untangle my headphones. So maybe <laughs> it's something I should consider going forward. Um, but the, the, there are a bunch of clever researchers at um, an IoT security company called Armis, and they've re- released what they call uh, a blueborn vulnerability, which is an attack vector that uses Bluetooth connections to take control of your device. So it could be your phone, your desktop, your laptop, or any one of the gazillion sort of like IoT thingies that you have lying around your home that use Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is every vendor. So it's, it's Windows, Apple, Linux, you, you name it. If it's got Bluetooth, it's... Uh, and it's, everyone's encouraging us to use it. Like retail shops want us to use it with their apps. And so we're, we've all been encouraged to turn it on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a really nasty piece of work. I mean, I mean, it's beautiful in, in how it actually looks and, uh, and executes, but it, it's really lethal. So it, it's like seeing a lion that's really majestic in the wild three seconds before it rips your head off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it, it can do like remote code execution on the device. It can wow. man in the middle the, the connection and it can hop from device to device over the air. So, and that's really what's caught people's imagination about this one, hasn't it? Is the fact that if you were carrying an infected Bluetooth device and you went into a building or an office, for instance, it would then seek other Bluetooth devices, which it doesn't have to pair with, but it can infect those as well. And it spreads and it spreads and spreads. It's like an old virus, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. Mm. And because it's using the Bluetooth protocol, it's not over IP or anything. You know, no mm-hmm. one really has paid any attention to how to secure it. Mm. I, I was I was just thinking, how heavy would it be to create an infected payload and attack, stick it to your drone and fly it over some buildings? Right, yeah. And Is this in the wild then, and how bad is it? It's not in the wild. I think Armis have done a good thing. They sort of like responsibly disclosed and coordinated with all the the major vendors. Mm -hmm. So some patches have been released, some are in development. But, you know, in honesty, a lot of devices just won't receive patches. Like if it's an IoT device, a lot of them just don't have a mechanism. If you're running an old phone, like an old Android version that can't run the newer ones, you're not going to get protected. Yeah. My understanding is that micro. Microsoft put out a, a patch in July, I think, for this, although they did it on the quiet. They've only sort of gone public now with the, the announcement of the vulnerability because they wanted to give it time to get onto people's computers. Apple devices prior to, I think, I think you, if you're on iOS 10 or later, certainly you're protected with that. Android, yes, Google has released a patch, but we have this age-old problem with Android, of so many Android smartphones not receiving operating system patches and and being protected. And they're Mm -hmm. maybe potentially the ones which are most at risk from this. But it's some great piece of research by these guys. We we have to hope, obviously, that no one tries to exploit it. Thankfully, there are some patches, but as you said, IoT devices and old Androids may really struggle and they're going to be the ones which are most at risk. And and, and it's really hard because like if someone is running that, that sort of infrastructure or, or what have you, what, what do you tell them? You know, beyond saying, well, turn off Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or anything you don't need when, when it's not needed, there's not really much else you can do. I, Graham and I have talked about this before, so I'm a big anti-Bluetoother and have it off by default all the time. I think you have it on, Graham, don't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here right now at a desk on, with a Bluetooth keyboard, which I use. 
you know, I can't turn off the Bluetooth on my keyboard. Otherwise, it stops being a keyboard. Mm. There is no wire option. Um, and you know, I've got I've got a phone which connects via Bluetooth to my car, so I can yeah. listen to the Smashing Security podcast um, as I'm driving. That's what I listen to most of the time, <laughs> to be honest. Bluetooth is a, an important part of my life. Um, mm. I'm glad that my devices are at least patched against this vulnerability. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, Actually, so the, yeah, I don't so know the, about my keyboard. My keyboard isn't, is it? I suppose. Yeah. So if the drone travels above your house. Watch out. Yeah, I imagine you have to be within a certain number of feet. I'm not mm. sure exactly. What, so you would have to have some proximity. What I'm impressed by is that these security researchers, they didn't have to produce a very good logo for this, didn't they? They did. Did you see it? They went all out. <laughs> they took the Bluetooth logo and they sort of twisted it about 90 degrees and put some evil eyes yeah, in it. I thought, it's really oh, that's smashing. Cool. And they've done a couple of natty videos as well. Um, which we'll link people to so you can see exactly how this operates. And they have a demonstration with one of how it can be exploited on Android as well. So uh, nice work by them. Thank goodness they did some responsible disclosure, but a bit of a shame that there are devices out there which will still be vulnerable. We just have to hope that a lot of the hackers out there actually don't pay that much attention to it and maybe look for other ways to infect devices instead. One would hope, yes. <laughs> don't, we don't sound very positive there, do we? <laughs> No, actually, I think what what the the, the saving grace is the the fact that this is a proximity based attack, and yeah, what what you'd probably see this more in is is where there's a specific target. Um, yes, so I think pen testers, red teamers, around will be licking their lips at this because it'd yeah. be like, hey, this is great. I can walk into this corporate yeah. office and I can I can launch this attack, and that will look really good on the report. Yeah, um, totally, totally. And you can imagine that some sort of state-sponsored attack or intelligence agency, if they were trying to get into a system which maybe wasn't connected to the internet, this would be a means by which potentially yeah. they could do it. They could send someone in with an infected device in his pocket, doesn't have to plug it into anything, and bam, it's looking for Bluetooth connections. Yeah, but if it spreads right then through Bluetooth connections, there's no end to it. They're not going to be able to control the end of it unless they control the, the threat itself when it calls home. Well, and that was the problem as well, of course, with Stuxnet way back when. Exactly. You know, it was obviously designed to mess up a, a uranium enrichment facility, but it ended up spreading much, much further. Yeah. Well, so... Thanks for cheering us up. Yeah, you said you were going to cheer us up. What was that? <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Javad. Well, well, like I said, there, there, there's a silver lining here that it's only a proximity-based attack. It's not like 143 million people were attacked and... no. <laughs> You know, so 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 it's it's like World War Three compared to Armageddon. <laughs> God. But the important thing is, as far as we know, so far it isn't being actively maliciously exploited. So maybe don't panic too much. Just keep up to date with your patches. If you're using devices which don't have some kind of update infrastructure, then you need to start looking at that because problems like this are only just going to carry on happening, aren't they? Yeah. They are. They are. Particularly with IoT devices. What have you got for us? Um, we are going to talk about iPhone 10, of course. Oh, um, yes. Yes. It's just been announced yes. and it's going to be available in November. So I thought we could talk about some of the features so, that were announced. What do you think of the iPhone 10? Are you thinking, oh, yeah, I'd like one of those? No, no. I actually bought the 6S as right. opposed to the 7 when I last was my phone cycle of, of buying. Yeah. I went back just because I wanted the headphone jack. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And also with the iPhone 10, I mean, they may have loads of funky new features, but doesn't it cost something like a thousand pounds? Well, 
Yes. So <laughs> it's un- and you know what? It's more expensive in the UK than the US. Well, of course. So the two no no, but quite like substantially. So yeah, the really. two hundred fifty six gig model costs three hundred and eighty dollars more in the UK. So it costs eleven hundred quid here, and st- like fifteen hundred bucks. Crawl, it's Brexit. Just get used to it. All right, this is the future. It, it, would, would it, I think I saw someone had the maths uh, on it and they said you could actually fly to New York and stay in a B&B <laughs> and buy the phone for yeah. the same price. That you could probably do that on a chartered flight. Yeah. <laughs> so we did talk about the iPhone way back in episode 32 when we were discussing some right. of the rumors. And so let's just review what we got right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, t- we talked about the overhauled handset so that there'll be a curved glass front and no home button, right? So there's only the on-off button. Um, There's a new camera as well. And of course, there's the facial ID login feature. Mm -hmm. So we obviously bitch constantly about the pain of password management. And our our friends at Apple have been busy bees trying to sort all this out. So first came uh, Touch ID. And there were a few stories all around that, like kids using their parents' fingers to buy apps when they were sleeping and all this kind of thing. And The problem with Touch ID is that the authorities confronted this huge miasma of legal snafus on could you force someone to use the Touch ID to log into the phone? Ah, that's right, isn't it? Because Mm. I think people are protected. You don't have to tell a a cop your password, for instance, or your passcode to unlock your phone. But I, I believe there was nothing to stop them making you put your thumb or your finger on the Touch ID plate. Well, Is that yeah, right? Yeah. So according to the a Guardian article, the US authorities could force you to unlock your phone using Touch ID because it's not a testimonial. So a court can compel you to give the keys to your safe, but they can't compel you to divulge the safe's combination. That's a way to think about it. Okay. So basically, passcodes are protected under the Fifth Amendment's right to remain silent, whereas Touch ID was arguably not. Now, in the UK, Touch ID was found not not to be legally enforceable. However, the cops did find a workaround, which was to steal unlocked phones very quickly from would-be criminals' hands. Oh, <laughs> and then yes. continually press the button. So it doesn't to go to sleep. make sure it didn't go to sleep. Yes. I love whose job that was. <laughs> so that's where the landscape looks now. So now Face ID, how is that going to change things? So could it be that, you know, the authorities or a jealous partner or a bully could basically detain you in some way, point the phone at your face and abacadabra, they're digging through all your personal digital stuff. Right? That's really the big question. And I think the answer to that is kind of yes and no. So leaked firmware from iOS 11 shows an option that disallow face ID logins, even if your face is already enrolled. So the feature is an emergency services feature. And what you would do is you click the on off button five times quickly. Okay, so if you're worried that your phone is going to be unlocked with your face without your permission, you click on you click five times, you go Right, if, yes. if that was five. Uh, and that will then require your passcode or your well, PIN Well, it brings code? you to the emergency services is what it will do. Okay. But if you then close out, that means you then, next time you log in, you will need your passphrase or passcode. Oh, okay. If you have set one. Right. If you yeah. haven't set one, it ain't going to need it. That's never going to happen with the phone in your pocket, is it? How do you mean? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I call up people all the time with the phone in my pocket. I, I guarantee <laughs> if the phone's in my pocket, I'm going to accidentally be hitting that. Well, you mean button. butt dialing. Yeah, You're a butt, butt dialer. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, um, my, well my right cheek is, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the other problem with this is, so, so okay, so that's a way that people can get around this. The other thing is the shot needs to be lined up properly because it takes a second or two for the program to map your face and to authorize your use. So my advice here is if you decide to get the iPhone 10 and you use Face ID and you ever find yourself in a situation where someone is forcing a Face ID on you, you need to close those peepers and dance around like your life depends on it. And boom, right? Wiggle, wiggle that butt. Keep your <laughs> eyes closed. And then yep. Face ID won't trigger? Or Gurn? Could you Gurn? <laughs> so, well, that's interesting. Some people were saying, well, why don't I just take a picture of my hand instead of my face? Because surely that would work. But actually, no, it will not. It's actually quite clever software. And it's trying to bypass that snafu that happened to Samsung recently, where someone was able to get to bypass the face print by using a photo. This was, I don't know, I saw reports of this on yeah. Ostectica. Yeah. yeah, because I, I believe the iPhone X, it has some sort of, it, its camera has some sort of depth facility as well. So it knows if it's looking at a flat picture as opposed to a contoured face, for instance. So as long Exactly. As you- it's a bit like, you know, what actors use to kind of remodel their faces. So it's a bit like that. So it, de- it needs the 3D-ness in order to do it. Okay. Um, But a cool thing about all this is that people are kind of worried, well, where's all that data going? And it's actually staying on your phone, exactly like Thumbprint ID is. And we talked about that uh, back in the episode uh, 32. And that doesn't surprise me. I think Apple are very conscious about these security and privacy issues. And they they recognized that they needed to keep really tight control of the fingerprints so that it's, it's stored in a secure enclave on your typical iPhone. And with this new iPhone as well, it's storing that facial information on the device as well. So it's not something which I don't know why I do is... any research at all, really. Yeah, why do you? <laughs> I don't know. I should just let Graham just do my I'm whole just, story just, for me. I'm just, well, I'm not trying to steal I'm it. Just, I'm just you know, trying to... I was just, I was, oh. No, it's fine. Go. <laughs> oh, a little bit of tension. <laughs> Good. <laughs> You're the one that had the bad morning, Graham. <laughs> yeah, get it all out. The problem I've got with all this, though, is our faces are our password right? Our faces that we bring out into the open all the time that we wear on our shoulders, you know, like it's out in the open. At least our fingertips weren't kind of just there. I find it just, it's like having your password written on your forehead or something. Or it's a bit like having to use the same social security number all your life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the same name. It's you know, something you can't easily change. Yes, you can grow a hipster beard or something or get a tattoo. <laughs> but Well, no, I couldn't, but... <laughs> Um, like this guy oh, said, you, on- you saying you could, Carol? <laughs> no, no, I said there certainly cannot. <laughs> uh, baby smooth skin, I have. Okay, so but one guy on Ars Technica said this really well. He said, if it is part of you that can be scanned for authentication, then it is data that can be copied by anyone, but never changed by you. That mm. is inherently insecure, and I agree with that. Yeah. I think it's a really good point. And we're going down that route more because of convenience, right? How convenient it is that we can log in anywhere and we don't have to have anything on us to do it. I mean, remember all the tokens we used to have to carry and people probably still do to log into accounts. And even if Apple have done a really good job securing this information, we have seen breaches in the past which have meant that biometric information has been exposed. I remember with the OPM data breach, many, many fingerprint details were also taken as part of that, uh, which potentially could be abused in future. We, we just have to wait and see how that might be exploited. Yeah. yeah. And I, I heard something, I think actually you told me this when we were talking about this earlier, that, even, that the facial recognition even records your aging process or how you change day to day or month to month. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Because of course, people do cha- you change your appearance over time, right? You might grow a moustache curl. Your or hair you might, colour. You might, <laughs> 
Hey, might, hey, I'm... What? No, or I might trim my eyebrows, right? Let's be fair. Unlikely. Um, Javad may go clean-shaven yes. for, for a few hours before growing it back again. Um, but, you know, it, 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 people do change over time. You lose weight, you put on weight, you grow your hair, whatever it is. And so I believe, I obviously haven't used one of these devices, but from what I heard, that it keeps kind of track of how you're changing. It learns more information. Maybe it even learns more information about what you're wearing as well. You yeah. know, like if you're wearing a motorcycle helmet or something, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> it could be, couldn't it? See, so, I, I think what, what, one of the things that I, I don't get with phone um, authentication, I think the phone manufacturers are missing a trick here, is to have native built-in, like, uh, l- layered authentication. Yes. So that your face could unlock your phone, but it would only unlock your low-level sort of apps yeah. that, you know, like... It's like just, user rights versus admin rights. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but having more layers like that, I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah. 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 Good idea. Yeah. And maybe you could use your ear to unlock your password <laughs> manager or your left foot to use Apple Pay. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Be too safe. So, guys, hey, look, the new iPhone's come out. Um, we've seen the videos or whatever. Carol, you're saying you wouldn't buy one. No, I'm, I'm, I, love, I love the success. So I love right. it, love it, love it. And I'm hoping it lasts forever. And I, ha- I have one of these iPhone SEs, which is like a, a really tiny one. It's like the sort of iPhone 4 size. For your small that, hands. For, yeah. for my, it makes my hands look bigger. So that's why, that's why not, I'm not the only person with that problem. Um, so that's why I have one of those. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not sure. It, it just feels like they're adding all the, it's like they have these animated emojis. I okay. mean, what's, what's the point of those? Okay, Javad, Javad, yes. let's make a bet. I bet within... Four months, he's got the new oh, iPhone no, I won't. 10. No, I won't. No. I no. think he will. But I'll tell you what happened this morning to me, right? My wife knows nothing about the iPhone launch and everything. She comes downstairs and she says, oh, my, my phone stopped working. I've got a bad feeling that it won't start up and all the rest of it. <laughs> Every single time Tim Cook does an announcement about a new iPhone, within 24 hours, she will have <laughs> some kind of catastrophic iPhone disaster. Dropped down the loo, dropped in the, the dog bowl. She's a smart lady. Because, of course, she will want the brand new one. So maybe not me in four months, but I can tell no. I can pretty much bet someone else might. Does she ask permission to buy a phone? She doesn't have to ask permission. Oh, okay. She's a human being. She's I, I not just, a slave. I, I, thought that's what, I thought that's what you were saying, that she comes down and goes, hi. Oh, no, because I'm the CTO in the house, right? Oh, I, I mean, see. I'm sorry, in, sorry. I'm in charge of technical support and fixing printers and devices and things. Yes, mm-hmm. so uh, and so she's, she was reporting. She was basically submitting an IT request for me to fix something, <laughs> is what she was doing. She was filling out the form <laughs> to me, the service desk. Yeah. That's how modern marriage works. Big thanks to Rapid7 who are supporting this episode of Smashing Security. We really appreciate their support. If you are interested in identifying, prioritising and managing vulnerabilities inside your organisation all the way through to remediation, well, good news. It's not only possible, it can be simple. And that's what Rapid7 can do for you. They can help you build a vulnerability management programme that works for you with Insight VM. You can get started with your free 30-day trial right now. Just go to www.rapid7.com. And thanks to Rapid7 for supporting the show. And welcome back. And we're through to that part of the show. Oh, finally. Which we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. 
cage, Fads. I'd okay. still like him to say it, if possible. And look, could you just say it? Pick of the week. <laughs> Thank you, Javad. So every week we choose uh, something that we like. Could be a funny story, book we've read, TV show, movie, record, an app, a website, a podcast, whatever. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. It could be. It doesn't have to be. My pick of shouldn't the week be. is... Okay, shouldn't be, says Carol. <laughs> My pick of the week is a website which you're only going to want to go to, to be honest, if you're interested in chess and improving your chess. I okay, use- so next, Javad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go to a website called Chessable, chessable.com. And it's... No, no, it's Crow. Ima- actually, I think you would find this it's interesting. the second just the time idea. you no, talk about chess on no, the show. Come shush. on. No, come on. No, do, 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 do. Now, let, let me explain why this is clever, right? Because the, I'm not very good at chess. But what's clever about this is it teaches you and it, it, it puts you through the motions of learning chess openings by giving you situations and it teaches you this is how you play one to d4 and then c4 and all the rest of it queen's gambit and all the rest of it and you begin to learn the variations but it learns where you make mistakes and where you make mistakes it keeps on testing you on that particular position until finally it's beaten into your dumb brain and so you Mm -hmm. begin to learn how to do it and the idea is that rather than me spending three hours sat at a computer trying to earn an opening what it does is just say just spend 10 minutes today and then I have to log back in the next day in order to do it again. And it's very good at encouraging you. Basically, you have a streak of how many days in a row you've done. You win points and jewels and things like this. Not real jewels, obviously. This is a chess website. After all, there's no money in it. But you know. But over time, you really begin to learn these things through the, the repetition. And it, there's, there's some fascinating... On our link to a blog entry, we can learn all about the science behind learning, which they, they claim that they used behind this site. But of all the chess sites and all the chess books, which I've ever read, and I've learned absolutely nothing, I have to say, Chessable is fantastic. Cool. And with that, I will hand over for his pick of the week. <laughs> before we do that... Oh, before yes. we do that... You know, I, I think we should just paint it right now. I'm going to go for Sockable, which is going to take uh-huh. all the learnings but apply it to a SOC, a security operations center. So you can uh-huh. train your new grads out of university to be analysts really quickly, as in like, here's a situation. I love find it. Find the anomaly in the log. Trademark it, Carl. Trademark yeah, it. Yeah, Tim, Tim, Carl Terrier. Oh, dear. What a shame. <laughs> You're too late. <laughs> Never mind, Javad. <laughs> Next time. Teach you to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Javad, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is by far the favourite bit of medical research I've ever come across. And I'm, I shall be referring to this a lot. So there is a, a website, and we'll probably put the link in the show notes below. <laughs> Listen to me taking over. Um, <laughs> Joe O'Leary is a gentleman who went to dinner... Uh, with his parents, and he had a pizza. Right. Uh, then he set out to go to the gym, as I suppose one does, you know, once they feel a bit guilty after having some pizza, and he hopped on the elliptical trainer. Uh, <laughs> after about half an hour, he started to feel really weird. Yes. His eyes were watering. He was having trouble breathing. He's having a heart attack? It could have been. I don't know why your eyes would water, I'm guessing. Now, in his words, I looked behind me into the mirror. And my eyes were swollen. Every part of my face was swollen. Okay. 
So he wasn't he wasn't able to unlock his phone to ring emergency <laughs> services. <laughs> thumbprint was. <laughs> Yeah, probably, luckily, probably one of the uh, uh, staff called up. He was rushed to the emergency room and pumped full of steroids and antihistamines. Okay. Because he'd had an allergic reaction. To what? To what? Yeah. It was the combination of food and exercise. What? For real? For real. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a condition called exercise-induced anaphylaxis. Okay, just because you give it a fancy medical name doesn't make it real. Doesn't make it not it's bullshit. It's, 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 a, it's a reaction. It's stinky. Where, it only, where, the, where the reaction only happens to the uh, allergen only in conjunction with exercise. So if he'd just eaten the pizza and sat down and done nothing, like in front of the sofa, watched TV... Like he, most of us would. Like most of us sensible people would. <laughs> he would not have had the reaction. If he'd not eaten anything and gone to the gym, he would not have gotten the reaction. But because he ate and then he felt guilty and wanted to work it off, he had the reaction. So, so for him, it was a reaction to tomatoes, pepper, soy and nuts. Wow. So anyone who wants to go for a walk after their dinner, think twice. Think twice. Don't do it. Eat and then sit down and binge watch your favourite show on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever you, or, or terrestrial TV for all you poor people out there. <laughs> I think it's so great that we're now giving medical advice on smashing security. Oh, just wait, because actually my Why? pick of the week yes. is also medically related. All right. Which is weird because I didn't, I didn't, uh, Javad and I didn't talk about our uh -huh. pick of the week beforehand. Uh -huh. So. As you know, Graham, I've been suffering with a trapped nerve yes, for you have. A, yes. a week or two. And this meant I couldn't turn my head very well. I couldn't lift anything. I, really, I couldn't even raise my arm without yelping. So anyway, I, I called the physio, couldn't get an appointment. And so I turned to the internet and a little YouTube angel cured me. Oh. So it turns out that lots of us get trapped nerves in our necks. And it happens because we're always bent forward. Our heads are kind of bent forward. So we're kind of looking at a device or looking at a keyboard or cooking or reading or playing guitar in my activity in my life. So all these things make your head much heavier, increases pressure on your neck and then helps the nerve get trapped. So, my pick of the week is YouTube's Motivational Doc channel, which the link will be in the show notes. But he walks through exactly my neck pain and then gives advice and I followed it and pop it bloody relief immediately, which was incredible. It just took, it just snapped the nerve rate out of its uh, thing. So check it out. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he's a doctor. But uh, so for a worked. second then, when you talked about this video where he's going to guide you through him, I thought it was going to be that video about, remember the guy who does the squinch? <laughs> I the love guy. him. I love squinch guys. Japan, I don't know if you're familiar with the squinch guy. There's a guy on YouTube, and we'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes because this will be just as useful it's as glorious. Cars. And it's a guy who's got a method for making you look more photogenic every time you're in front of a camera. <laughs> okay, it's all about, you start off with the jaw, but then with your eyes, you kind of squinch. <laughs> squinch. It's a bit like blue steel in a way, isn't it? Yeah. When, yeah, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's all about the squinch. I need to find mm. this man. Yeah. It's like the Harrison Ford look, you know? 
the middle yeah. distant little little you know i'm important i'm doing something very important we will share we will share a link for all of you but no that's seriously crawl that's fantastic so that's helped you has it i totally and i think it would help anyone because he has some good advice basically all of you dudes who are sitting down at computers just try and do like i call it the chicken thing but you want to tuck your chin in just move it back a bit occasionally just to get some air in the back of your neck it's mm. not fun he claims we're all going to be suffering of this in 20 years so there you go do it we are all doing something rather strange aren't we which is that we're all sitting down all the time for eight ten hours a day and all we're commuting and doing the same thing and you know it's going to have some kind of impact on our bodies i'm at my standing up desk right now good girl well well, i suppose you're going to change your neck position when you unlock your new iphone so that should help relieve some of this. Yes, stress. yes, you will. You'll want to look. Yes, you will. So see, it's going to help us all physically too. Brilliant. Thanks, Apple. Well, I think that just about calls an end to this episode of Smashing Security. Um, if you're interested. Oh, did you know, Crow, something, something very exciting has happened. What? We now have over 1,000 followers on Twitter. At smashing without a G security. Thanks, guys. That's great. Which means that round about only one in ten of our listeners have bothered to follow us on Twitter. So what are the rest of you doing, eh? Well, maybe they're on Facebook, Graham. Oh, in which case. Maybe they're on LinkedIn. They could join us on Facebook at smashingsecurity.com slash Facebook. We don't have a LinkedIn group because LinkedIn is vile. Mind you, we have a Facebook one. That argument doesn't really work, does it? Uh, We... We have a squinch channel. Uh, we, and we've got swag. If you want to buy a T-shirt or if you want to buy a, a sticker or mug and things like that, you can go to smashingsecurity.com slash store and you can help support us. And uh, all that remains is that we need to ask our guest, Javad Malik. Javad, where can people find you online? How should they follow you and follow your words of wisdom? Well, you can follow me easily. Just go to equifax.com. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me on Twitter most times. It's J4VV4D, uh, which is also the name of my website, J4VV4D.com. You can find all my links there. So geek. AlienVault.com. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And um, if you enjoy the show, please do tell your friends, because the more people who get to hear about the show, um, the better it is for us. And we... uh, we like to know that we're talking to someone. One of the ways in which you can help us is you can leave a review on iTunes. That gives us a bit more visibility in the search. I think they may call it Apple Podcasts now. I'm not sure which it is. But anyway, leave us a review up there. Subscribe to us on iTunes or any of the other podcast apps are out there. Share, and just share the show with your friends. Yeah. You like tell them about it and say, oh, yeah, I heard this show the other day. You might like it as well. Yes, it is a bit geeky. It's about security. But occasionally we talk about other things as well. Until next time. Graham's when small we, hands. I'll give, I'll give people a, a little clue. Next time, we've got a special Splinter episode coming up, haven't we, Crow? Mm, Next week's episode is going to be a Splinter. How, how do you know it's a good one, Crow? We haven't recorded it yet, have we? <laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, We're going to be talking about backups next week, so tune in for that. And then we'll be back with a regular episode the week after that. Toodaloo. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> That bad, eh, Javad? <laughs> Jesus. Where's my agent? <laughs> <laughs>